Hey, welcome to the After Now podcast with Tim and George. Give us a listen. What do you have to lose? Because let's be honest, you've wasted time on sketchier stuff than this before. Hey, Tim. Hey, George. What's the most musical part of your body? I I don't think that's appropriate <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> Come on. My rear end. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going in a little different direction, but hey, it, you know, yay for you. Um, my answer, Tim... Okay. Is is your nose? Really? Why is that? Because you can both blow and pick it. Oh God! Hey, hey, Tim. Hey, George. Why did tortilla chips start dancing? I, I don't know. Why did the tortilla chip start dancing? Because they put on the salsa. Ah. Uh... Hey, Tim. Hey, George. What's a mummy's favorite kind of music? I have no idea. Rap. Oh god. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm I'm done. <laughs> I guess so the topic it, tonight the topic tonight's music. The topic tonight is music. And um it's interesting. It's taken a little different turn from kind of what I originally had planned on talking about yeah but it's because um so like those jokes you just heard okay Mm -hmm. right a lot of times this podcast takes on the same pleasure as i get from the jokes so the jokes i tell if people find them funny Mm -hmm. that's awesome but they're really for my amusement. <laughs> we all knew that, George. <laughs> so, with that being said, I originally was uh, inspired to do a show on music from a video I saw of, of a band called um, Access Axes of Awesome. And they're kind of a comedy band team or something and they were talking about music okay and they they brought up a really interesting phenomenon if you will and that's a certain chord pattern is responsible for a good portion of pop music okay Okay. is that why all music these days sound the same somewhat i mean you you got different melodies but it's it's also just really pleasing to the ear sure okay that makes sense right so you in a scale you know and the the notes are going to be different but in a scale you've got numbers musical is music is very mathematical okay you've got 12 notes and they repeat um and scales determine you know scales within a particular key sound good and and they're and then they just repeat 
going on with different octaves. Yep. I, I don't want to get into it too much. But in short, what it is, is there's uh, there's different progressions. And one of them is one. So if you take the any key and you fill the notes in, and within those, within that key, if you take the first note, the fifth note, the sixth note, and the fourth note in that order, and you can mix up the order, but those four notes within that key, and then you you play those chords and, and that's and they just repeat, and that's kind of what the song does. You're gonna get most of your a, a lot of popular songs. Hmm. Like uh Good Lord, there's a ton of them here. And and watch the video because they do a great job. Okay. But it's songs like uh Africa, Don't Stop Believing, Um Beast of Burden, Bullet when, with Butterfly Wings. When you say Africa, are you talking about what song? Uh, uh the uh Toto song. Yeah, I knew you were talking about that song. I like that song. That's a good song. Yeah, and uh, it's got that yeah, it's got that re reoccurring yes i understand what you mean now okay but but but, but it's I'm just tracking. very it's very ple- you know i don't want to be by gavin DeGraw, which is a great song i really like that song mm-hmm. uh cruise by florida georgia line crying by aerosmith it, it just goes uh it just goes on and on and on how most not most but a ridiculous amount of popular songs use this okay and and you know i guess more recently heart attack by demi lovato hello by adele um uh what do we got here if i were a boy by beyonce and it just goes on and on and so originally that's what i thought we were going to be talking about sure this pattern and then i decided okay i'm going to take a look why does that sound good and then, so, and then you went down the rabbit hole. Oh yeah, and that's a fun part about this podcast. And I hope, I hope you guys enjoy what we do as much as <laughs> as much as we do, because this stuff is really fun for us, right? We kind of look at it from the geeky perspective, but but it is fun, uh, and and we hope you learn something. There have been many times when I've done research for this show, and it's gone deeper and deeper and deeper, whatever the topic is, and uh, I'm like, really. Did that? Did I just read that? Is that correct? You know, I don't know. <laughs> you just, um, you just keep on going down, and, and you're like, oh my god, I didn't realize that, you know. Um, but so what I when I started looking at it, the rabbit hole I chose was, do humans need music? And what does music do in humans? And the answers aren't fully known. Um, but what's interesting is music is more than just an enjoyment vehicle. Right. Um, and, and one of the things that came up, what researchers are believing um, is that we as humans and before we became technically humans and Cro-Magnon or whatever, um, 
we actually were using music through singing and or whatever else was around before we gained the function of language. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, to me, so, that makes sense. right? Yeah. And you, and you know, it's not something you normally think about, but language is more complex and virtually everyone else, everything else in the, in the animal kingdom uses some sort of singing or something to communicate, be yeah. them growls or whale songs or bird songs or whatever. Man, I can and, go off. I can go off on tangents on whale songs, but we're going to stick to the topic tonight. Yeah, that that could be a whole show by itself, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and what people, what researchers think, again, don't know for sure, is that it's kind of programmed in our DNA that music is okay. Um, kind of like, I mean, and you know, we we know this, right? I mean, we know that and there inherently are certain, we yes, do, yeah. All these researchers going going back for a while, and you know, I guess one of one of the uh, the modern scientist guys um, that that had something to say about this was Darwin, and Darwin believed it was part of early culture, and of course, because just like everything else with Darwin, um, he focused on the fact that this was used for survival and mating. Sure. Because, you know, Darwin had a thing about banging people. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> so, but a big part of the evolution of the species as well. Yes. And, um, and what they think is they were looking at brain scans and, and how music is really, really uh, unique in that multiple parts of the brain light up when you're either listening to or trying to create music. And that's not true for other things. Like speech is mostly in like the left side, one part of the brain, but music kind of permeates throughout multiple parts of the brain. That makes sense because it's creative. You have to, yep. And they think, and they think that, in during our evolution um that the humans that could process music and the subtleties because the way animals use music and singing and sounds is they have to understand ooh that sound means danger or that sound is a mating call right or that sound means everything's fine right and so the the humans that could figure out what that code was were the ones that survived. Sure. And so that's just kind of programmed. And if not, it's kind of a leftover, if you will, of our early survival. And they have found instruments... Um, and there are all these different years thrown around. One person said 80,000, one person said 4,000 or 40,000 year old flutes that were found. Okay. Um, and they found a flute that was at least 8,000 years old. That's and amazing. it was made, 
it was made out of an animal bone, but had holes on it, holes in it. And this 8,000 year old flute produced one perfect octave. <laughs> yeah. I mean that that's that in itself is amazing. Um, how far music goes back and, you know, I mean, 8,000 years, I mean, that's, uh, you know, only a couple hundred years possibly after, uh, the extinction of the woolly mammoth. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, there's something to be said for that. And, you know, as, as the human race evolved, um, like you said, a lot of that information, um, was probably discarded through attrition because we didn't really need it anymore, but the music, but the, but the music remained. Right. And you know, one of the, so what scientists always try to do and, and what I find interesting is what's the backing data Mm -hmm. for this. Right. Right. And so they think that it was used in, in mating, um, in terms of this person has a voice or this person can communicate. Um, Also, and this one's very, very clear, even today, it's used as a bonding um, mechanism. Okay. And and they, they, the term that they use is vocal grooming. (laughs) Okay. 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 But think of the earliest form of bonding between a parent and a child. No, you mean like it's, scre- it's scre- lo- screaming lullabies. at the t- lullabies? Okay, I was about to say, uh, the baby screaming yeah. at the top of his lungs as it's born. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, that too. I have right? arrived. That's- I've arrived. I'm here. Yes, say it loud, baby. <laughs> say it proud. Um, but that we see today still lullabies. That makes sense. Yep, and singing. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And, and 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 the other things it can do. And again, didn't think about this. But it's a great way to communicate to a large number of people. Yeah. And as it's been as you two and you know Coldplay often do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Sometimes annoyingly so, but big, yes. Big stadiums. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's uh, it's a great tool if for earlier for earlier generations for hunting parties. Mm-hmm. So if they heard different tones or different beats or something like that, it would cause them to do different actions. And it was used in war, right? You got the drum beat, keep everyone moving ahead, keep everyone organized. Um, the different, when, when the drum would do something else that would cause a different action, you know? And it's, it's we view it as art or pleasure only. But it's so much more than that. Sure. You know, Um, and they said it really helps the brain because it creates pattern recognition and um, you can coordinate movements in, in, with the music. Um, And and it's, um, it creates, you know, if sometimes you notice you do stuff with, without, like involuntarily if you hear something you might just beat along you know oh hey i know this your your foot's tapping you know your hand's tapping whatever a familiar a a familiar song in the background you're singing it and you don't even know it 
Right. There might be other people in the car who know it because you might not be a very good singer, but you know. And that's... you know, there are there are differences in culture, but it's still recognizable. Sure. And they've always said, and, and to your point, they've always said, um, when a mother sings to her unborn child, you know, that th- there could be a benefit in in brain development, in in cognitive skills, those types of things, playing music for a child when the child is still in the womb, um, you know, they singing and or playing music might, there might be a cognitive advantage. Uh, there may be a developmental advantage if you do that. So it makes oh, sense absolutely. to me. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things, and, and that's a great point, Tim, because what some people are, are pushing for, but is, is unfortunately getting cut more and more. They're viewing, music as an art sure and there's some research that says if you teach children music other things like math and creative thinking creative problem solving things like that are byproducts of learning music sure and so the the thought here would be if you promote um the process of of singing and or um, creating music. I didn't want to say if you promote the, uh, the, the popular arts, right? Because it's not, you're not looking at it as arts in this perspective. Exactly. You're, you're not. At, yeah. You're looking at it as something different than other, other um, types of learning may kick in. Whereas someone might be better at math. Someone might be better at sciences, so forth and so on. Exactly. And, if we look at it, and I think that's what we, and society is getting worse and worse at, and we've talked about this on other podcasts as well. No, everything's fine. Yeah, that's exactly right. Everything's fine. And we want to make it as simple as possible. And we don't want to spend the time to look at an issue holistically. We want a simple answer. Right. Of, we need to get better at math. We need to get better at science. Well, what if something like music would help that? It may not be something we fully understand, but that could very well be really important in the development of these other skills. You know, it, yeah, and, maybe complementary. And, and it makes sense because, <clears throat> you know, you talked, at least I talked to a lot of people who, just from different walks of life, right? And everyone pretty much is of the same consensus that listening to music in the background um, calms them down. They do it maybe between meetings. Um, they'll have it on in the background at night when they're doing stuff. Um, for sure, um, they'll be listening to music and, you know, they'll be um, they'll be eating, stuff like that. When mm-hmm. there's music on... And they're doing something as they're working out. What are they doing? They're keeping pace. They're listening to music. People tend to get motivated. Um, they can drive themselves uh, to motivation by listening to faster paced music or calm themselves by listening to slower paced music. People who um, believe in and or do a lot of yoga, they're listening to a lot of new age, slower paced, uh, rhythmic kind of stuff for breathing. Um, you see a lot of that. And so what you're saying absolutely makes sense. 
the the other part of that that you hit on in in, in what you were just speaking of is that calmness that um that feeling that you get when listening to music some of that is is just your brain processing it but a lot of that is and each person is different your memories get associated with different types of music sure so um where one person may l- listen to an opera and it brings them to tears just because of the emotion another person it might be like nails on a chalkboard <laughs> you know what i mean but the person that's brought to tears is because there is a an association either they're listening to the lyrics or they've seen the musical play or there's they know the story behind the music uh, where the other person just doesn't have any context for that you know i i'm reminded of something that uh you know i'm not very proud of and that's that uh recently i've been going to a country bar <laughs> i do not like country music um but excuse i'm sorry yeah, i'm sorry excuse like me sorry i don't like it but my fiance does uh, I, you know sorry 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 america yeah well you know <laughs> I, but what i will say is there is a live band that plays at this country um bar uh located in scottsdale and um the the owner is actually the lead singer of this band at the bar so he owns the bar and you know i was listening to this band and again i'm not a country fan however i heard i'm a big um uh classic rock kind of guy i I like zz top you know not all the time but i like um you know bands that were very popular in the 70s have a very unique sound to them so oh, Fleet, sure. Fleetwood Mac, uh, The Who, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of giving you a context of where my mind was going when I was listening to this band, because why would my mind go there as I'm listening to this country band? And <laughs> it was, well, it was because the guy who was on the bass and the guy who was on, uh, you know, just the acoustic guitar and, and the singer who was, you know, doing lead vocals, um, they had the sound to them. Um, it was very familiar and it's funny because I have never thought about this, uh, except for that night. And now as we're talking about this and I was like, you know what, this band, although they're wasting their talents on country music, um, how dare you would sound so amazing as a, you know, classic rock cover band. And what was very interesting was towards the end of the night when they're, the good percentage of their clientele was leaving. They started playing classic rock and these guys sounded amazing. Uh, blew, blew my mind how amazing they sounded with just some of the covers that they picked. And, you know, obviously you could tell that these guys have been playing um, together for a long time. But my yeah. point is, my point is, is that I've never heard this band before. I had never seen this band before yet i knew that 
um, the tonality matched other genres, and they could probably just rip it apart just as much. Just just yeah. go at it and sound amazing. And towards the end of the night, they proved what I suspected to be. You know, they they can actually do a really good job at it. Yeah, they can rip. <laughs> Absolutely. That's um. That's really interesting. I wonder if you picked up on that because your your preference is more that so were you picking out wow okay this could definitely translate to that you know well i think i know i think i know by now what to listen for when i'm you know so i i like i I really do like all genres of music save just a couple right and 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 Mm -hmm. you know i don't know why i have such a you know, I wouldn't call it disdain, but close to disdain when it comes to country music. <laughs> um, but, but I do appreciate it uh, very much. You know, country music to me is like golf. You know, I appreciate the complexities of how hard it is to make the music or to play the game, um, and I could not do it any better myself. But um, at the end of the day, it's golf and it's country music. So I know you know, and it's it's funny because when I was, when I was researching this thing and, and I had alluded, I had touched on it just briefly, a lot of it is based on your personal experience. Yes. And, yeah. I agree with that. And, and it's, um, it, what was really, what's really interesting is, uh, on, on one of the, one of the videos I had seen, they had um they had a video of sharks swimming around and at first they didn't have any background music at all just saw the sharks swimming around and then they had happy music like really peaceful music because they're just sharks they're not killing anything they're just swimming around and sharks actually are very beautiful when right in the in the way they move they're very graceful you know and then they had kind of a a jaws music and what that showed is those three experiences it was the same imagery hit you differently depending on what you heard and perhaps what your experiences are right right you know and and music has uniquely has that ability to pull that out. Yeah. You know, what's funny is there have been um, variations on a theme of that thinking. Um, You know, George Lucas has been quoted as saying, you know, the sound and music are, you know, 50% of, you know, what makes a movie. It's not just the visuals. Oh, yes. Um, Think of Star Wars. I mean, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, that, booming john williams orchestra you know that build up and all that it it, it, it to your bigger yeah to your point you know with the shark and the happy music or the shark and the 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 theme to jaws for example imagine that big ship at the beginning of the first star wars this better not be a you know better not be a spoiler for anybody because if it is (laughs) 
don't listen to my show anymore. No, I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you're 50 years too late. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but remember, but, you know, if you were to show the scene without music, without sound, with that big ship, and then you show it as it was intended, to, it's got a much more impactful, clearly a much more impactful uh, feeling that you get from, from that episode. So I, I, I totally agree with you that, you know, um, de- definitely the music and or soundtrack or, you know, tonality of the music that we're talking about definitely sets the stage. It, in it, not only does it, not only does it work on your emotions, if you will, but it produces chemical reactions within the brain, you know, like dopamine mm-hmm. is released when, when certain music hits a certain person the right way. And, uh, you know, and even some music is pretty universal. Um, for example, like the Ode to Joy. I, and it, it doesn't really matter what language you speak, uh, what part of the world you come from. The Ode to Joy is... It's just glorious. I mean, it 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 truly is like angels singing. You know, and yeah. it, it it's aptly named. Yeah, and you know, it's a uh, it's interesting because, um, you know, like the Olympic uh the, the Olympic theme song. Yes, which I, I, ironically, um, uh, even the redone ones, they're very very much like that um everyone can everyone knows that that theme song and everyone knows that uh that just greatness that 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 sound uh, that's the olympic theme song and and it, it there's no um I, I guess I'm not doing it any justice. I'm I'm at a loss for words when I'm trying to explain I, it. But you know what I'm well, trying to say. It's, I yeah. I have a term for that. That is, is such a great segue. Oh, excellent! What is the term? Because clearly I can't enunciate it. It's uh, it, um it's called. I'm sure I'm going to butcher it. Frisson. Okay. F R I S S O N. And that's the goosebumps, the hair on the back of your neck standing up the excitement you know that feeling that you get that's just woo you know when certain certain types of music is played um, and yeah no that's that's a very good way to describe it because i clearly couldn't do it <laughs> well and and there's certain there's certain songs that do it um and, and again a lot of it's based on on your experiences in different parts of the world you know, if you're used to listening to, um, let's say in India, um, music that's have more heavily with um, sitars or different types of instruments um, or Asian countries that um, traditionally have more wind instruments, those triggers may be different, but there are certain. So when I was researching this part, there's really some interesting things that come up with this so what happens is this music hits a certain part of you mm-hmm. and it and it seems to be very primal mm-hmm. and this one researcher said um you know they were using different music and stuff and what they one piece that they found 
that a lot of people had reacted to was they had isolated the background singer on the Rolling Stones song, Gimme Shelter. Okay. Okay. Now, it's a great song, and it's a great story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're they're recording this song. I, I think it was in New York. And the producer's like, boy, something's missing, you know? And he goes, you know what? I know just the singer. And they literally got her out of bed at like 3 or 4 in the morning. And came, she came in and sang this song, had no idea what it was about. Mm-hmm. And this is really fun, and, and I, I shared this with my daughter. You're going to have to really listen for it. But there's a part where this this background singer, i got to find her name because i got to give her credit. Um, she just takes this to a completely different place. And it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and she hits this register. And the words that she's singing are uh, rape, murder, uh, it's just a kiss away or something like that. I mean, the words are, are it, they're supposed to be shocking. Is it is it Mary Clayton? Is that who it is? Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. That, that record was actually recorded, or that recording was actually done in London at, <laughs> how about this for a conversation that goes all the way around Olympic Studios in London? That's weird. Wow. Yeah, it was back in 68, <laughs> 69, somewhere around there. But I remember that because I watched a documentary a while ago. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And for someone to jump out of bed at 4 in the morning and then be able to do, be able to sing, that's some professionalism right there. Yeah, it, it, it it's... Um, I can't even find my shoes at 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know well, how. T- tell me about it. And um, so, okay, hold on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to play something real quick. Okay. Okay. Now, what's interesting about that, and, and when you're listening to the song, you really got to listen to it. If you hear when she hits that really high register, that's Mick Jagger going, whoa. And you hear her take just the slightest pause because she wasn't expecting Mick Jagger to go, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a voice. And to your point, it's uh, it's primal, right? Well, it is. And so what this guy described it as, and when I was listening, I do get goosebumps when I hear that in that part of the song. And what this researcher was was explaining was we have been trained from before we could speak to freaking pay attention if someone's screaming. <laughs> right? Right. That's a, that's a sign of danger. So what's going on in the background, what they think is you hear this scream and right away, you know, you're on edge, you're, you're, you're pumped up, you're, you're looking for danger. And then when you realize that the danger's not there, you can enjoy it in a way that you wouldn't 
normally enjoy anything else because you got all excited you then you realize there's no danger you know something else that i noticed about music um at least for me um and there are some male vocalists who take great exception uh that i'll take great exception to this what i'm about to say but more than often i find that female vocalists um with music obviously um sound uh far more dynamic uh to me at least everyone's ears are different but when you're talking about the example that you just laid down or janice joplin um mm-hmm. you know um if we go to fleetwood mac and we talk about you know uh they're all of them they're all great vocalists um mm-hmm. but the women especially you know and you talk about um uh, even some more of the modern you know vocalists in in more modern music not 70s 80s and 90s but today as well you know women's vocals sound so much more dynamic and i wonder if that's because of the range the pitch the the ability to extend and then contract down um you know is it michael buble is that how you pronounce his name correctly yes um he is a phenomenal vocalist can't pronounce his name but when you <laughs> when you listen to him sing and when you listen to uh just the dynamic range that he can produce um it's it's quite impressive and uh um i, I would say that he would be a good example of and and what's interesting is his voice is kind of a throwback to how music used to be really yeah. sung in the 40s and 50s and 60s he does um he does blues rhythm uh jazz i mean of course he does pop today and a lot of people know him from that but there are a lot of cds there are a lot of tracks that he's laid down that are you know old school just amazing rhythm and blues types of stuff uh that just just blow me away and so you're right. I believe that with a lot of people, everyone's ear is different. And mm-hmm. um, I believe that when they do hear it, everyone hears something slightly different. And um, and I think it depends on the person's, um, you know, uh, genre and, and taste in music. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and, you know, one song could mean something so different to one person than another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I and think we were, you hit it on the head. I mean, absolutely. That makes absolute sense to me. One of the uh, one of the things I, I didn't hit on before, so we talked about how music works in different parts of the brain. And they're actually using that to help people that have had strokes or damaged parts of the brain um, and and try to help them build new pathways to act to use different parts of the brain so for example um one of the one of the examples that they used was uh there was a rep out in arizona that got that was shot at uh some some event uh, the wife Giffords? of uh, yeah kathy giffords is her name she's the uh, wife G- gabby giffords of, yeah, yeah, kathy but i think her her nickname is gabby. oh yeah yeah okay yeah well she got shot in the left side of the brain yeah um and they were showing her some of her rehab. And this was really interesting that they had a music 
person part of the rehab team. So they show her trying to learn how to talk and she couldn't remember this word or couldn't say this one word in a sentence. And the music person that was there said, okay, Gabby, sing it. Mm. And she was able to sing it. Hmm. Because, again, singing music is used in multiple parts of the brain. So when she, her verbal spoken part of the brain was a part that was damaged. So they were accessing the singing part to build a new pathway. Isn't that interesting? That is that is actually very interesting. And basically what they were doing is through music making new connections in her brain is essentially what you're saying. Exactly. And they're wow. they're doing that with like dementia patients and stroke victims and stuff like that. Um yeah, because you know, they, we're just learning about the brain and we say we only use a percentage of the brain and some more than others, but, um, <laughs> but, um, it, it, I think that that's so innovative to be able to do that. Um, a little bit of fact checking my, my, uh, my, uh, Olympic who sang it, who did it. You know, because they've got... I did not realize that John Williams actually recorded the revised really? version of the Olympic fanfare. and Of course he did. Uh, Bowlers or Bowlers Dream is actually what's, what's called. I'm probably um, destroying the, 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 the title of it. But yeah, it was John Williams. And that doesn't surprise us. I mean, we were kind of going there without going there. So... <laughs> no, but I mean, again, um, you know, there are just some people... Who know to to your point, there are some people who have this sound that can, um, you know, um, just project uh, to the masses and just really tell a story to the masses. I think John Williams is one of those people. You know, no he, question. Yeah, he's. It's just. It's not. He does it through. Um, you can't call it classic music because it's not classic classical music, but it's definitely through symphony orchestra, through through uh, traditional means. He's able to you know do a score for a movie or do a score for you know a large sporting event, and you know he's just got that sound. Um, and and think... you know what? I don't think it's wrong, Tim, to call it classic in in today's age. In the time that he's alive, that's our version of classical music. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely contemporary music done in a cl in a classic format, right? Like with a symphony orchestra. Um, and like you said, it's just amazing um, just how much a certain type of tonality or sound can really break down the barriers and you know reach out to a bunch of you know people across the planet and you know speak a common language whatever that language is right whether it be a dangerous shark coming to us <laughs> coming, coming yeah towards right us, or or the opening ceremonies on you know global games uh and it's it's, it's still the same person who does it um and you know it, it, it kind of speaks volumes to you know what we're talking about tonight it, it, yes and um, 
one of the interesting facts I found is some music um, will hit the frontal the front frontal cortex, and that's they're not sure why that part lights up certain times mm-hmm. when listening to music, mm-hmm. but the frontal cor- when the frontal cortex processes music, that's when you get that feeling of of empathy and you get the same feeling as if you're doing something good for someone um even when it, you have to sacrifice so it really plays on all these emotions that that's just you know they pull it out of you and 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 you're right like like John Williams unbelievable and you know there's a there's a great story about Titanic and David Foster who wrote a lot of great music too um he wrote the song and the story is that he wrote the song and he told James Cameron, if we can't get Celine Dion to sing this for the movie, I'm not going to let anyone else sing it. We're going to have to go with a different song. Wow. And she did kind of purpose purpose built for her. Right. Yeah. I'm sure he heard her voice when he wrote it. Yeah. You know, and, um, and there's just so much great music out there and and you know it's there's so many great stories and and just um and and you know I think we talked about this before certain people are performers certain people are writers um you know the writers and I don't know if I shared the story before about um there are all these these artists talking about steve ray vaughn after he passed away Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they were saying they were all intimidated by him eric clapton who's considered a guitar god was intimidated by by steve ray vaughn to the point that stevie was opening up for eric clapton who was so well established at this point right Mm -hmm. and eric clapton said i had to stop watching him because all that was going through my mind is why would anyone want to hear me? <laughs> okay. I just, it's that's just, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's some crazy, I mean, but, but you know, that's what happens. I mean, you know, there's always, we're, we're always our worst, um, judging character, our, our yeah. judge and, and, um, talent and ability. Um, we're always going to judge ourselves the most, harshest that we can but i mean it was the very vaughn because that guy wow well and even with with when you hear some of these artists there sometimes there's a common theme and there are there are artists and then there are like the true artists you know and and stevie ray vaughn uh was one of them that said i don't write music it's just out there and it comes through me he said, it's like a channel. It's like being a channel. Right. And that this code is out in the ether, if you will. And he's just a transmitter, you know? Yeah. Which is which is so such a cool thing to think about. Um and, and you know what's interesting, you know, we've talked about music as a code and music being in mathematics. And for you younger kids. Go watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind <laughs> if you haven't watched it. And I don't want to give it away, but 
music is used as the common language for someone we haven't met before. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, a universal theme. But I think also um, music can also denote to, uh, you know, other cultures, either less advanced or more advanced than us, that, uh, you know, we have uh, the ability to communicate. And we also um, have a working knowledge of mathematics because, you know, you can communicate prime numbers through through music. Um, You can communicate basic mathematical um, uh, equations and how math works through music, uh, through the, through notes. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, I'm kind of touching on your point without really trying to spoil the movie that you just talked about. Definitely spoiler alert there. Don't, uh, you know, again, wa- it's been out it. for like 50 years. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so watch it if you haven't, Jeez. But, <laughs> but your point is taken, you know, um, it's, it's definitely a way it's a, it's a means to an end. I mean, it, math, and music are definitely so uh, intertwined and inter- and are so closely intermingled. It's it's not even funny. And it, I think both of those things are kind of built into us. Yeah, you you also find that in high school or as someone is growing up, usually people who are more mathematically inclined actually are musicians. Um, yeah, and, and as they develop and grow, uh, they you know, I, I've met people who are programmers who can play three or four instruments. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's just a language, Where right? Yeah. To them, it, it is just a language. Um, so we're we're coming up. Um, I think we're coming up near our, our witching hour here. Yeah. Um, why don't we both take three songs that we like our listeners to maybe check out uh go ahead you can start okay so my first song is an elvis song i'm a big fan of elvis uh story behind this song is during his 1968 comeback special uh colonel tom parker who was his bastard manager wanted him to do a version of like white christmas 68 was when Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy both got assassinated. Elvis stood his ground and said, I want to do something meaningful as my closing song. So they, the producer had uh, wanted a special song written and the musical director, Earl Brown wrote a song. If I can dream the people playing the music behind it was the world famous wrecking crew. They played on just about every hit from the 60s to the 70s. Hmm. These guys were absolute pros. Great. Find out about the Wrecking Crew. Anyway, Elvis's performance was so intense, they had to record it multiple times because this veteran group of musicians were so in awe of his performance. And here's the cool part. Elvis played it on the special and they released it as a record. He never played it live again because he thought it was so special. He didn't want to ruin it. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good one. What's your second one? Um, Song written by Tori Amos. 
Um, it's a song called Winter. Okay. And it was inspired by her when she was talking to her dad about just guys not being able to, you know, guys are doing me wrong, doing this, doing that. And Tori Amos had, you know, she had some bad stuff happen in her life, but her father was always there for her. And her dad came up with, with a line and the way it got translated in the song was, um, when are you going to make up your mind? When are you going to love you as much as I do? And um, it's about a daughter and, and a father, and but it's it's applicable to any relationship where someone is, is trying to build someone else up and listen to it and, and look at the lyrics. Just have tissues nearby. Okay. Tori Amos is an amazing, amazing performer. Okay. And the last one. Um, I'm going with Bob Dylan blowing in the wind. Oh, great song. Now, the interesting thing about this song, you know, it was kind of an anti-war protest. Um, Bob Dylan wrote this song and recorded it when he was 21. This is the old soul performer. A 21-year-old does not have this insight by living on this earth 21 years. This is influences coming from the universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful song. Um I prefer the Peter, Paul, and Mary version, mm-hmm. but the song itself is just absolutely incredible. So those are my three. Wow. Those are those are three good songs. Oh, and he puts me on the spot here. Look at that. Uh, Sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, that's okay. Let's, let's dig into the, the Wayback Machine here. Um, you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to... There's a song by The Doors. It was done in... Uh, 67 called LA woman. I think it's, Oh yeah, probably, you know, it's the bands, you know, owed to the city of Los Angeles. Um, it really sh- showcases the doors who sang the song for those of you who don't know. Uh, and, um, um, just, you know, their, their lyrical, um, and, uh, musical range, the entire band, it really just showcases how good the doors were at that time and you know what the nature of being in the music industry and you know just what life was like in 19 you know 1960 x i mean i know that the song was done in Mm. uh 67 i believe um but you know the 60s were a turbulent time and oh yeah yeah i mean uh that would be my first pick uh just it's just an amazing song and, and just, again, shows, you know, uh, uh, a glimpse of, of what his, you know, what, what things were like back in the 19, late 1960s. So. It's, it's, it's honestly, if, even if you don't listen to the words, you just know that that's like audio sex. Yeah. The energy is incredible. It, absolutely. Up and down. Um, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Jim Morrison died in 71. So, I mean, this was towards the end of, uh, you know, their amazing run. 
and yeah, it was just uh, it's it's one of my more favorite music, you know, pieces of music out of the '60s. Um, fun to listen to. That would be my first pick. Just that's a good one that's off good the top one. of my head. Um, let's jump. Let's jump ahead though. Let's jump ahead to. The late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, everyone knows me by now. If you've listened to a couple of uh, podcasts and Where My Heart Is, I'm a big Depeche Mode fan. Yeah, um, I was waiting for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and, and they've, they, they, they're like uh, continuing to do what they need to do. Obviously, trials and tribulations. But, um, you know, there are a lot of DM songs out there that, uh, you know, it, that would be hard to, to pick any one. But uh, if I had to pick a Depeche Mode song, you know, um, something like uh, Enjoy the Silence, obviously. But really, my, my whole point is um, whether you like one or all of the songs from Depeche Mode, uh, it kind of goes back to George's theme of today's uh, show, which is... They just had the sound about them, and that sound influenced a lot of other bands, and that's the kind of sound I like. I hear that influence in a lot of other bands, even today. And when people go and ask bands today, what were your influences, a lot of times you do hear, oh, you know, David Gahan, Martin Gore, who, you know, lyrics and, and writers for Depeche Mode, you actually go back and you hear... Um, a lot of people invariably cite them as 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 influencers, uh, the original influencers in music. Um, yeah, when, when we're talking very about, unique. Yeah, when we're talking about modern rock. So, um, and then you know, fast forwarding to today, going away from the '90s, but maybe 2010s, early. Uh, you know, you know, I I have to say, uh, from a lyrical perspective and uniqueness. Um, the cranberries she just had an amazing oh, voice yeah. um and you know there was a lot of cross pollination between the cranberries and other bands in um ireland at the, uh, you know at the beginning of this century and you know so she passed away as everyone knows uh yeah. and uh you know what the song again it's not so much a song for me as it is the sound uh, she had a very unique sound, Dolores O'Rudin. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, any one of her songs, I love all of them. There's not one specific song that, uh, you know, I like. Um, I guess if I had to pick one, it'd be something like Linger. Um, or, yeah, Linger probably would, would be the song that, uh, or Dreams, the remake of Dreams. Even though she didn't sing it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's more of a lyrical thing for me. Um, and which is which is interesting because I really like the fact that you went into the the deep and dirty uh, you know uh, background on the songs that you went into. For me, I believe the songs are important, and I'm I'm there with you, and I could definitely go into you know the 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 origin story of Linger or the origin story of you know Enjoy the Silence for Depeche Mode or or whatever the Doors did, but I really think those three bands. I mean. And I would never, as an honorable mention, it shouldn't be an honorable mention, you know, obviously Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. I mean, sure. but the sound, it, for me, it's a, it's a tonality, a sound, an influencer type of thing. And, you know, if I'm looking across three different 
genres of music and three different times of music. Um, those are the three that I personally like. Well, and you know, it's interesting, Tim, that you say that because just knowing you and the way you experience music, you've got the high-end audio systems for that experiential sound. When I'm when I'm talking about highly resolving experience, that's kind of what I go back to. And so when yeah. I listen to her sing, when I listen to the Cranberries sing on a system like I have, um, it's a very different experience. Don't get me wrong. I love listening to them in the car and bopping around and having fun, like, you know, with the speaker outside near the pool, right? But when I put them on the big system, it's it's almost it's almost magical. And and Elvis Presley on the system sounds amazing as well. Um, you hear depth that you wouldn't normally hear. Not to get too far off the, the topic of today's, you know, uh, no, show. But, no, no, You know, um, you really do have a much greater appreciation for music when you listen to it in its most raw, raw rawest of forms. Yeah, no question. Yep. All right. I uh, hope we gave you something to chew on and, and hopefully piqued your curiosity to learn more about music yeah uh thanks george for um you know bringing this to uh the forefront i loved uh listening to your explanation of what you learned yeah it was fun it uh, again i'm having a blast i hope everyone else is um and i know tim and i have a lot of conversations off the air and uh, there's there's a lot more cool stuff coming all right cool thanks thank you